ESN Buffs podcast for this day, March 7th, 2016. I am Jake Shapiro alongside Ryan Cunningford and Joe Paris. And Joe Paris today. Where, where, where are we, Jake? We're at the Lake Street Tavern. I always forget that for some What's reason. What's the Lake Street Tavern? It's the most beautiful bar in downtown Denver, lower downtown Denver. Where's it located? Colorado, uh, on 22nd in Blake. Uh, but Joe Paris from Radio 1190 is our guest host today because we're doing a special edition of the podcast. If you go to bsndenver.com, bsnbuffs.com, you can see that we're actually doing a video version of this podcast, our first video version. I know Ryan loves the cameras because the cameras love Ryan, and Ryan loves anything that loves because Ryan. Ryan's the best looking out of all of us. That's why he likes to be on camera. You and I do well on radio because yep. the people are, oh, they're six foot four, beautiful people. I'm not quite six foot four, but no, we are. Oh, we yeah, are right. voice yeah. when you're on radio. See, right now, we're six foot four. See, you hear a totally. silky voice. Like I think Shapiro, like, six four. Jake still sounds like five three to me. I, yeah. But you, <laughs> no, you're like a good six two and a half. Oh, I sound like I'm an athlete when yeah. I talk about sports. Like, yeah, he sounds like he knows. What, then they you got you got your little uh, official Nike. My uh, my CU lacrosse. My junior hockey hat. A team that won this weekend out yes, of the CU Yes, they teams. won twice this weekend. Yeah. Maybe the the best kept secret at CU is they men's might, lacrosse. They might be the best program at CU, the CU club lacrosse team. They are. They're so good. They you're won a national about, championship. Na- you're forgetting about cross country. <sighs> I mean, they win best like team real sport. Division One national championship. Banana stand. Banana stand. Okay. Okay. Okay, uh, Joey, this is, this all is, over to you. you thanks, the keys are Jake. in your hands. The, we're on. All right. Uh, let's talk about it. I mean, real talk, Utah was the most frustrating game I've ever seen in my entire life. Like, Colorado goes on a huge run. They go on a 16 nothing run. And you're like, this is great. Colorado's going to get a big signature victory at the end of the year. The Buffs look really good here tonight going into the Pac-12 tournament. But you knew it was senior night. You knew, like, the ESPNU crew was pushing so hard for Utah to make a comeback. And then they go on, like, this 20 to nothing run, and it was just brutal to watch. Tad Boyle was choking himself at this time. <laughs> yeah. The thing with uh, with road games that I always say is you should just never, never, ever get your hopes up on the road because there's, the team is always going to have a run. So as soon as they go up, um, four, they, they went on the 16-0 run to go up 14, and Jake looks at me and starts spouting out headlines for the Buffs winning. And I was like, dude, you just jinxed it. It's over. Um, and if Tyler was here, he, he was here. If Tyler would have seen that, he would have strangled you. Uh, but the Utah comes straight back with a 19-0 run. Uh, and as soon as that happens, actually, as soon as Jordan Loveridge banks in the three oh, off sorry. the offensive rebound, you're just like, oh, well, there it goes. And the free throw box out. Again, the both, free throw box out. Both commentators are talking about how Jordan Loveridge is over from three-point range. He banks one, and you're like, it's over. It, so, you know, they go on the run, and when that, when that type of thing happens at home, you can withstand it. Um, you can get the crowd to kind of will you back into the game. When you're on the road and a team goes on a run like that, you're dead in the water. And so... Uh, I wrote about it today. You know, there's a lot of things that go into Colorado melting down. That's actually the eighth time this year that they've let a, a lead of eight or more points go in less than eight minutes in the, in the last eight minutes of the game. Uh, and, and to me, the biggest problem is the fact that Josh Scott is their best player. And I've said it so many times that college basketball is not conducive to big men. And you watch, they try and run clock and then feed it down to Josh Scott. And it just doesn't work. Um, Josh Scott doesn't work well late in the shot clock. He doesn't work well when he's being forced. And you see him kind of putting up shots, begging for calls that you're just not going to get, especially on the road and especially late in games. Well, let's be fair. Okay, for what it's worth, did Colorado miss out on a few calls? Of course, Tad Boyle's halfway out to center court yelling at the referees. And we could talk about, you know, Pac-12 referees, how they've been all year long. But is there a case to say that on senior day, 
in Utah, Colorado missed a bunch of calls. You could say that, but in the same sense, the Buffs were out-rebounding Utah by six or seven at the end of the first half, and they ended up getting out-rebounded for the game by one. And Tad Boyle mentioned it after practice today that the reason they lost this game is because they got out-rebounded. If they get that free-throw box out, something they struggle with so much for whatever reason, free-throw box outs, if they get that free-throw box out off of uh, the Brandon Taylor miss with eight minutes left, all of a sudden it's their ball. Instead, it's Utah ball. Three-pointer Jordan Loveridge, and that starts this 19-0 run. So who is that on? Is it on the Colorado bigs, or is that on the guards that come in and help from the perimeter? It's on everyone that's on the court. It, it's a, it's a thing. Opinion. To me, it's, it's something that has to be a, a team-wide dedication. And when you get a big lead like that, um, it's just human nature to let off in a certain aspect. You know, you can think, all right, let's keep our defense up. Let's keep getting stops. Or, you know, let's keep getting the ball down to Josh Scott. But mentally, you're not as locked in. And for the Buffs, it was rebounding that they mentally lapsed, and that's what cost them the game. But going back to the calls, um, you wonder if the referees watch uh, Tad Boyle media addresses on BSN Buffs because literally the game before the the day before the game, he said, you you know the the most difficult one of the most difficult parts about winning on the road is you don't get the same whistle. And it was almost like the refs' way of being like, yeah, you aren't going to get the same whistle. You're going to talk like well, that. No, he <laughs> said it. Yeah, <laughs> now you're definitely not getting it. So. Um, of course they, they got some rough calls. I mean, I can think of two or three times where Josh Scott got absolutely assaulted going to the rim. But like I, I wrote this again this morning, bigs aren't going to get calls late in games. They're not going to get calls uh, in, in, on the road. And so I agree with Tad Boyle in the sense that they needed to just rebound. And he said it, you know, the, forget about the calls. Forget about the turnovers. Forget about the lack of offense. Forget about the bad defense. Rebound the ball and you win that game. And another thing from that game is, you know, they don't rebound the ball. They just stop playing defense the last eight minutes or so. But you had your best player in that game in the first half was arguably Treshawn Fletcher. He doesn't shoot a shot in the second half. How does that happen? I don't, I'm a big, big proponent of if, a sh if someone's hot, you've got to keep getting them shots. Um, you never let a shooter end the game on a make unless it's a buzzer beater, in my opinion. Uh, and... That was one thing that I think, you know, I get sick of fans complaining about Tad Boyle in my mentions. That was one thing that I think is a fair complaint. Uh, and Treshawn Fletcher wasn't in the game down the stretch. He didn't get very many minutes in the second half period, and he was feeling it. I mean, he's been one of the Buffs' most consistent players on the road. You, you look back to that Oregon State game when he pretty much single-handedly kept them in that game in the second half. He's been, um, he's been shooting the ball really well lately, and... You know, it's easy to always know to get the ball to Josh Scott, but you got to know the rest of the situation. And the situation in that game was Treshawn was feeling it, and they never got it to him. I thought Dom Collier also played a really good game. Uh, he he's developed. You you take a year ago and you look at what Dom was doing a year ago, and you say, well, he was supposed to come in. He was supposed to be the next guy for Colorado, and you keep seeing bursts of it. And I thought. You know, halfway through that Utah game, he makes that big three-pointer. Colorado and Utah go back and forth. I mean, very low-scoring first half, which I thought was good for Colorado. Try to contain Utah there in the first half. Three for three for three for three. It was really fun going into halftime. Colorado was up at half. The halftime show on ESPNU doesn't give them any credit at all. I mean, if you were to listen I mean, to the halftime show and you were to just look at the score, you'd think Colorado's down by 20. They, I mean, both, the Buffs were playing pretty terribly in the first half. The fact that they were winning uh, was shocking, and then – you know, obviously the fact that they went up by so much was also shocking after how poorly they played. But Dom, I, I always want to come to Dom's defense because I think he gets uh, a lot of flack for stuff that isn't exactly his fault. Um, there's a lot of, you know, it's almost like a quarterback 
in football who is just getting, you know, all the blame for the offense not running when there's so many different pieces to it. Dom, to me, is going to be one of the leaders of this team next year and one of the better players. I still have people complaining to me that his shot is too flat and he's shooting over 40% from three. It's like, for some reason, people, I think it was just because, you know, he's a four-star out of Colorado. They, people put him, his name next to Chauncey Billups. They set expectations too high for a guy like Dom Collier. And to me, I think he catches flack because of that, and it's really not any of his fault. Well, he's got such big uh, shoes to fill because you talk about guys that are the guy on Colorado basketball, as Josh Scott this year. Of course, Spencer Dinwiddie in the past, Andre Robertson as well. And so when you dub Dom Collier the next guy, he's got to live up. And since he's a guard, and Spencer Dinwiddie was a guard, you say, oh, he's got to be just as good as Dinwiddie. And the thing was, he's a much different player than Dinwiddie. He's a, he's a distributor. Dinwiddie was a big scorer. He's really a two-guard. Dom's a one. And when you look at how he's developed over the last year, very quietly, I thought Dom had a really good year this year. And it's one of those things that it's not going to show up on the stat sheets, but if you're watching games, you're watching him move the ball around, you know, you don't get the hockey assist, hockey assist in basketball. He's moving the ball. He's getting the play. He's getting the late, you know, coverages. He's really been one of the guys that has kept Colorado's offense going, and he doesn't get any credit. I mean, so not he, only so on offense, though, but he's, like, turned into a pretty good defensive player, too. He's, he's improved defensively. I don't want to say he's pretty good defensively, but he's at the point where he's at least average I defensively. A, I think he's average or above average for a smaller guard. Right, and he was at the point, at, even at the start of this year, where he was such a liability defensively. You didn't want him on the floor. Right, and when Xavier Talton is playing pretty well, as well as Dominique Collier, the buffs are pretty hard to deal with because they get Josh Scott, they get Wes Gordon. But as long as Dominique Collier has a second guard going and you can put the wings in as guards, whether it be George King or Josh Fortune or Trajan Fletcher, but if Dominique Collier and Thomas Akizili or Dominique Collier and Xavier Talton get going, the buffs are really hard to deal with. And I think Bryce Peters is going to help a lot with that next year. But that's going to be one of the keys for this postseason is whether or not Xavier Talton can keep playing consistently. And if he can then some of the pressure is taken off of Dominique Gallier's shoulders. Well, he had a bad game against Utah. He couldn't yeah. hit anything. I mean, you're coming down the floor, you see X has the ball, he's going to pull up from three, and you're sitting at home yelling, no, <laughs> like, please don't shoot the ball. Um, Tad Boyle even specifically, and I, and I think it was just the one that was most fresh in his head, but after the game he specifically said, you know, like, Xavier Talton had some wide-open jumpers that he missed tonight. Like, we have to make those. Just one of those things where you're so frustrated with a loss that you're just thinking, like, how, how did we not make those shots? You look at the game as a whole to go back to it, and Lorenzo Bonham, if you were to play the Buffs every single game, Lorenzo Bonham would be the best uh, player in the country. Of course, he beats Colorado yeah. in Boulder, a last-second shot that is more luck than anything. Again, the Buffs come into town on senior day, and he has an absolutely brilliant afternoon. And when you head into tournament play and Colorado starts to take on teams outside of the uh, Pac-12, there's always one guy on a team that can always turn it on, and then it's always the role players that step up. When you look at Colorado defensively, I've got a lot of questions. I mean, Josh Scott, you know what he's going to do. If there's a big, he's going to take care of business. But some of the wings, I mean, they're offensive players. When they come back on D, they're kind of a liability. Yeah, I think it's, a, it's such like a defense is optional type of thing for this team. I think they are really able to rise to the occasion. Um, you talked about Dom Collier and his defense against Arizona. He goes against uh, Parker Jackson Cartwright, who's a five-star recruit out of high school, and absolutely made him look pedestrian. Uh, and he, I mean, that w that game from Dom Collier was something that, you know, if I'm Tad Boyle, I put that on tape and make it, like, play on a loop in his apartment, showing this is how you right. should be every single and, game. And there were so many turnovers in that game for Colorado that just ended up in breaks the other way, and Collier would sometimes take a foul, a correct foul, and just make sure it wasn't a break, or he'd stop the break completely. And I asked Tad Boyle about it after that game, and he's, he was marveling about Dominique Collier's defense, something that would never happen. Yeah. 
before. So I, I think, you know, you look at that and you look at that entire defensive game, uh, defensive effort, they were great. Then you look at the first 32 minutes of the Utah game, and that was probably the best defensive effort of the year for Colorado. I mean, I was ready uh, to write all about how impressive it was for them to take ownership and the fact that they had a chance to set the all-time regular season's wins record. They go out there with a purpose on defense and set um, the, re the real precedent for how great this team could be on the defensive end. And then, of course, you all of a sudden that completely goes out the window in the last eight minutes, and you think, wow, can this team – you know, ever put 40 minutes together on defense. Well, what was, what was, hold on, Joe. Long. What was the stat you told me when we were talking? I think not, we were talking Sunday, and you said that the Utah Utes scored as many points in the final eight minutes as they did in the first half without the Buffs scoring a single point. Right, because it was 21-20 at halftime, uh, and Utah goes on a 19-0 run just from the, I think in six minutes, from the eight-minute mark to the two-minute mark. I mean, that was hard to watch. I mean, I... Let's call it for what it is. That was a collapse. That was absolutely embarrassing to watch. I don't know how you guys are watching the game. I had my shirt over my face yelling no. But even though they, you know, they go on a 19-0 run, Colorado's in that game late. And again for Colorado, and this has been a road thing. Of course, you go 16-1 at, at home. You have the one loss to Utah in the last seconds. Colorado on the road late in games has not been able to perform as well as on neutral sites. And when you go into a tournament setting where whatever it is, when Colorado's in the Coors Event Center, they got it going. Outside the Coors Event Center this year, it's been hard to watch. I mean, they're a 500 basketball team. They're an average basketball team uh, away and on neutral courts. And, of course, when you're in a tournament setting, the Pac-12 championship coming up this next week, and then, of course, March uh, Madness coming up the week after, it's concerning. And you kind of get the feeling that what has happened to Colorado the last few years in the NCAA tournament, of course, last year they're in the CBI that will we'll, we'll gloss over that. But the last <laughs> two times Colorado has appeared in the NCAA uh, tournament, it's, it's brutal to watch. I mean, they get knocked out in embarrassing fashion by Pitt, and you're like, Brandon uh, Paul goes off for yeah, Illinois. Yeah, Brandon Paul. It's like, yeah. I, I, don't, I don't see that happening to them this year. I think they're too talented top to bottom, and I really trust the way that this team plays. But really, when you look at it, when it comes down to it in the NCAA tournament, it all, all that matters is matchups. Uh, Illinois was a terrible matchup for that team, and Pitt was an absolutely atrocious matchup for them. So it's kind of just like you, you're at the peril of the selection committee, whoever they're going to put you up against. I think CU's played themselves into a good enough position this year, need to get one, maybe two wins in the Pac-12 tournament. The, tournam uh, the selection committee isn't going to give them such a bad matchup. They're probably not going to be playing halfway across the country. Do you want to take questions right now? Yes, let's take questions. I think it's the question. Engineer Jake comes <laughs> over to make Jake. sure everything's good. Let's hey, take questions. Hey, man, I just I got to make sure everything's okay with my laptop. Let's get so, so we're here at Blake Street Tavern for a BSN Blake Street party, and uh, we got a few fans here, uh, several fans. And, Mostly uh, could, be better. could be better. <laughs> it could be better. They're family. Still family. trickling They're in family and out. Nice. Trickling in and out throughout the night. Uh, what kind of questions do we got here? What, what are the questions from the crowd? Go ahead, Elrod. We got Lorenzo. All right, so the question uh, from the crowd, thank you very much. I don't know if Jake's uh, mic picked that up. So the question is, will Xavier Johnson be in uniform next year? Uh, the question, you know, throughout the year was, will XJ play at all? There was, you know, uh, out of preseason, the conversation about his injury of the Achilles. Um, there was plenty of reports of Xavier walking around on campus looking healthy. You don't really know what a guy's feeling like, but obviously he didn't play this year. 
Hey, there's still time. There's still time. <laughs> what, well, I mean, how would, how great would that be? Round one, they announced, uh, now starting for the Buffaloes, number they, two, Xavier Johnson. They wouldn't announce it. He would just literally walk onto the court and start playing. It would be unreal. I think I told him. He, he would be wearing the suit, and he'd rip it off like Indiana's like sweatpants, and he'd be ready to go. Nothing would surprise me. No, I mean, that's, that's truly where we are at this point. Um, I told people I had a dream that, like, they were down one to Arizona in the second round, and he came in with, like, one second left and got a tip-in on a free-throw box out to win the game, and, like, that was the only time he played the whole season. This is your dream that you had? That was a real dream I had. So, like, wow. But if that happened, I would be like, yep, yep. That's XJ. <laughs> Could have predicted that. It's right. <laughs> the thing about XJ is uh, he's <laughs> ever since he came on campus, he's been extremely unpredictable. Um, he's, he's just a wild-card guy. Right. I really like that, though. Well, you kind of need that at some points on a team. Like, he, he, it didn't really pay off for them next last year because they didn't have the right mix. But you think you add him onto this team, give that kind of spark plug? They don't have the, like, the guy who's going to pump his chest after he gets a dunk or anything like that. Maybe Tory Miller a little bit. Um, just, just ask Matt. He complains at Matt, our own Matt Cisneros. He complains about that every game. How come they don't have some guy that goes crazy? Yeah, well, Matt, well, you, need a, you need a bird, man. If you look at the like the late mid two thousand Nuggets, you have Chris Anderson just going. He doesn't do anything. He just goes nuts on the court. Right. Everyone else gets hyped. Well, Matt, of course, is looking at it through the lens of a photographer here, through the lens. And he's just looking uh, for the, yeah, you're looking for the big shot at the end of the and show. He, he wants like the shot of some guy flexing. Yeah, there you go. So <laughs> I didn't hear anything he said. <laughs> he said through the lens is the title of the article that he's writing for us uh, for the end of the season. That's oh, actually going to be really cool. That's tight. Matt's actually, he's a brave guy. Real quick aside, he was at uh, Buff's practice today. He was battling the condition. So a real shout-out to <laughs> Matt Cicinero. I think he's got some welts on his face from the okay? hail hitting him. I mean, in classic Colorado weather form, it was like 60 this morning, and then like 10 minutes later, it's snowing sideways and hailing. 20 minutes later, it's cloudy. 10 minutes later, it's, it's brutal, man. You're the man. Yeah, well, that's how right. it happened. With both lacrosse games this weekend, as soon as the final whistle blew, the sun came out and it was beautiful. So, anyways, anyways Elrod's question. Basketball. Getting back to X. Will XJ play in a Colorado uniform again? Uh, if I were to guess, I'd say yes. I think, you know, he's put in a lot this season to get back healthy. He's still laboring. Like, when they run sprints, he's still in last place. I, I, you know, he's not in great shape. He's still in a little bit of pain. But he's really put in a lot to this team, I think, from a leadership standpoint, from an outside perspective. Um, I think he's learned a lot being able to watch a full season from the sidelines. And as much as I know that he would love to, you know, go to Europe or something and start making money playing basketball, I think he's so invested um, emotionally in this team that he'll be back. So if I were to, if I was putting money on this, if they had a line in Vegas, I'd say, yeah, uh, XJ is back in a Colorado uniform next year. Well, it's something that's been talked around the country, and it's, you know, there's, of course, there's exceptions, is that Colorado's a good program of keeping players for four years because they buy into Tad Boyle's program. They want to be a Buffalo for four years. Colorado's a great place to get an education, a great place, uh, great place to live, obviously. We all right, but, but here's the thing with the one and done or whatever. Only the top 1% of guys in college basketball are one, one and done. And the guys well, you've that been staying for like two or three years. Colorado does a good job of keeping guys for four years, no matter right. what. And the only exceptions to that are Spencer and Andre, essentially. And those are in the 1%. Right, right. So, you know, that's going to happen with every single college team in the country. Even Duke, the, or Kentucky's a little bit different. But even with Duke, you know, eight guys out of the ten guys are going to stay at least two years on that team. So... You know, the one-and-done thing kind of misconstrues Colorado bas or basketball in general. Colorado basketball is above average, obviously, where their program is right now, but they're not at the top 1%, and I think a lot of people know that. 
and I don't know if they'll ever get there or whatever, but uh, no, no, no. I think but, Colorado's one or two players away from. I mean, any given year, one or two players away from being there. Right, but there's a difference the between being there for a year or two and being, you know, a blue blood program in college basketball. I think, you know, we're still a football school. <laughs> we're always going to be and, a football. And no, that's and that's the I truth. Mean, that's the tr and it, that's it, the way it is. Look at the numbers. And Tap Boyle knows yeah. that. It's based. I mean, football is always going to make the money at Colorado, and until they aren't, um, Colorado's a football school. But you know, I think. There's a point where Colorado can compete for a Pac-12 championship, maybe even win a Pac-12 regular season championship. Uh, but at never at any point are they going to be able to sustain, you know, years and years of top ten finishes. Right. And, and to fin finalize the question before we want to do the next one, Xavier Johnson in a uniform next year for Colorado? Yes or no? Yes. Yes. So we'll too, see he's you. too right. much devoted. All right. Well, uh, we got another next one. Next question. Next question. Next question. What do we got? What do you any got for question? us, Matt? Matt, what's the question? You had one job. Yeah, do you have a question? It doesn't have to be sports related, I guess. Will Dom Collier be a, a top half of Pac-12 guards next season? Okay, so the question is, will Dom Collier be a top half of the Pac-12 guard? Will he be one of the top six guards in the Pac-12 next year? In my opinion, yes. I, I mean, think he is, yeah. I'm a big, I think I've been a big Dom Collier supporter for a long time here. Uh, I guess I'm slightly... Bias. Dom Collier was actually my first ever interview at any level of anything. Uh, Will Whalen sent me down right. to was interview. Was he still at East? Yeah, when he was at East. I went down to watch uh, East in Montbello in the Thunderdome, they call it. Hey. It, was, uh, it was a good time. But aside from that, I, I just think Dom is one of those players that needed a couple years to develop. You know, Tad Boyle talked a lot today about the, the positivity of a redshirt as George King wins um, – the Pac-12 Conference most improved player after redshirting last year. I think Dom was one of those guys, if they could have afforded to redshirt him last year, it would have been really, really beneficial. Obviously, it doesn't work out that way. They didn't really have any point guards, and they threw Skia Booker into a role that he wasn't really comfortable in. Dom Collier was too young to take over that role. So I don't think, I think, to me, it's almost like this is his freshman year. Um, he was so in limbo last year and what his role was and what they were asking of him that this was the first year that he really got to take the reins and be the point guard of this program. Uh, and I really feel like he's due for a breakout year. You know, his body's come along a little bit. You see him with some of those confident finishes at the rim that you saw so much in high school. His shooting has been great this year. Uh, he's a, a top half of the conference shooter right now. So I think there's a big chance for him to make a big jump in the offseason and, and finally, you know, live up to those expectations that people have for him. Well, I think watching uh, Dom Collier in high school at Denver East, I watched yeah. him play a ton in high school. He absolutely ruined my high school, Cherry Creek High School. And when you talk about intangibles for a player, there are some things you can't teach a guy. And some of that's basketball IQ. Some of that's just the way he sees the floor. And that's, for me, Dom Collier's got it. When you talk about yep. it, I think he has it. When you talk about moving from high school to college, the size was an issue. And he had to build a little bit of size. He had to get going. He and needs I, the quickness, and he needed the size. And I think he's getting there. And also, I think Thomas Akiazili coming in and showing he's a capable guard takes some of the pressure off of Dom. Because last year, Dom's, he's the guy. He's the future. He's the point guard. And now that uh, Thomas comes in this year, the top cop in town, by the way, he's on the case. <laughs> Um, he's taken a little bit of the pressure off of Dom. And I really think Dom can be a top six forward. I think he'll be one of the top guys in the Pac-12. And I'm really excited to see what he's got because, again, I think he has it. And, and it's you funny know, that you say that, though, because one of the number one complaints that I get about Dom Collier is that he doesn't have it. 
I don't know how many times I've seen someone say to me, why does Dom Collier have no heart, and why does he have no leadership? They didn't and, see him play in high what? school. You know what? The yeah. one thing I always come back to, and I saw Dominic Collier play all four years in high school. I saw him play at least one game all four years, is I think his junior year in state. He's dribbling the ball up court at the Coors Event Center. He's getting full court guard, full court press. Uh, the guy who's guarding him trips him. He falls down, chips his tooth, gets a concussion on the play, gets right back up, hits his free throws, uh, plays the rest of the game, plays the state championship game, wins state championship, announced two days later he has a concussion, he's out for summer. He has it. And he yeah. has the intangibles. He has the toughness, and that's what you're going to want in a guard, especially an upperclassman guard like he's going to be the next two years. And I have a bunch of friends who went to East High School, and when they talk about the type of guy that he is, he's a really good guy, and he does have heart. He does have it. And Dom, I mean, he's playing for his school. I mean, when he came to Colorado, this wasn't just, uh, you know, a lax of days ago, oh, I'll just go to see you. He wanted to be a buff. He's an in-state kid. And, it, I mean, it's hard to ignore the legacy of Chauncey Billups coming from an inner-city school. Dom Collier was one of the only inner-city uh, school kids to ever come to see you, Chauncey the other one. Chauncey went to George Washington. Uh, Dom went to East. They're very close to each other, and they're, they're, they're very similar kids from, you know, you talk to people about what kind of a guy was Chauncey in college. You get similar descriptions. Obviously, different skill sets, different time, different basketball, different coaching staff, everything. But from seeing what Dom Collier did in high school, the type of heart he has, and how he wants to represent a program, it's hard to not get excited for him getting better each year. And again, like you mentioned last year, he's in limbo. It's a little bit hard to watch him because you just feel like he was a random piece to a puzzle. I mean, last year was hard to watch. But even Tad Boyle said today about Xavier Talton and Josh Scott, I wish they had one more year. You know, there's so many guys in college basketball, except for the top 1%, like I'm saying, except for the Anthony Davises of college basketball or Ben Simmonses, how many freshmen come in and absolutely tear it up? You can only think of probably two or three in the Pac-12 that have done that. And at, at the end of the season, they start to uh, uh, take a little bit of a hit because they're not used to playing such a long season. Like Ben Simmons has slowed down a little bit lately, even Tyler Dorsey or whatever. So there's only so few young guys that come in in college basketball and absolutely tear it up. Dom Collier is probably exactly where he should be right now or even a little bit ahead of it because he's developed parts of his game we didn't think he was going to develop. It's hard to not play the what-if game if Tyler Dorsey was a buck. Let, let's take a, one more or two more questions here. All right, we got what some got other questions. Here? What do we got? All right, so the question is coming, coming from, from Nina via James. Is there anything that will make Buffs fans happy this hold year? Hold on, hold on. Before we got to oh, shout yeah. out. This is at, the most important thing. At CU Goose, our buddy James Lucas just had a kid. Mazel Tov, well, James wife Lucas. Had a kid. Well, wife. He didn't give birth to the kid. It's his kid. <laughs> it's his kid. <laughs> We think so. Twenty-seven and a half pounds of glory. Is that that's up for debate because that, that kid has a full head of hair. Hours of labor. Right. I was gonna say that's a very heavy kid. Hours of labor. Hours of labor. Hours I've of got labor. a headset on. That was like that's the heaviest kid ever. Twenty-seven pounds. <laughs> twenty-seven. I didn't think Jake weighs that much. <laughs> that is a very heavy baby. Okay. Anyways, right, we'll stop enough. hating on James's child and his hair. Um, He's the next Buffs prospect. He's already listed as a. Top actually, prospect. James already put him into the C unit. Like he didn't even give him a chance to be a player. He's like, C unit has a new guy. For yeah, exactly. So, anyways, yes. Congratulations to Goose. What was the question? Will again? the Buffs be happy about? Any, will Buffs fans be happy about anything at the end of this year? Um. At what point will Buff fans be happy? Uh, well, this never. Next question. <laughs> this season is. <laughs> they are never be happy. Buffs fans were so scarred in terms of basketball, and obviously the football program already has people in a negative mood. 
all the time. So in terms of basketball, fans were so so scarred last year that it's really taken this entire season all the way until the Arizona game for people to really get behind this team. Of course, all the people that got behind it then uh, probably jumped right off after they blew that lead <laughs> to Utah. So to me, it's like w there's I, – I think they have to win a tournament game. I think that would finally make make Buff fans happy. Um, whatever happens in the Pac-12 tournament, uh, you know, you assume they're probably going to beat Washington. Chances are they probably lose to Arizona. People are going to be upset about that. So it's really going to come down to me to the NCAA tournament. And if they can win a game, I think it will rejuvenate the fan base. I mean, we even talked to George today, George King, about that. And that will be playing on the other side of the next commercial. But we talked to him about it, and he, one of the goals for this team seems to be uh, just kind of reading into what George says is winning at least one tournament game. Right, and he, yeah, he said, you know, the goal isn't to get there. The goal is to win some games. And I think that's what it has to be, you know. For everything that Tad Boyle has done, for how great Tad Boyle has been, he's got one tournament win here. Um, he that's another not, one. It's been a few That's not years. exactly great. You know, it's, it's, it's been a lot of years since they won. So I think to get that win um, – and depending on who you're playing in the second round, it's going to be a very good team. I don't think people are going to be too upset if you lose to a one, two, or three seed in the second round. So I think, you know, get that win in the first round. Um, remind people that this this school is capable of having success in the NCAA tournament. And then I think, you know, people will be happy once again. Is being competitive enough? I mean, because you talk about the last two times out for Colorado, they weren't even competitive. Is being competitive set the bar, say, at least we competed? No, because one and done is so uh, unfulfilling from a fan perspective. It's like... You, you watch the whole season. You follow bracketology every single week. You know, we've got Tyler Ziskin, um, who, best of luck to him. He's trying to survive eight days in Vegas uh, <laughs> starting last night. But, you know, we've got him on the, on the show every water. week talking about where the buffs are on the bubble, where everything is. And you spend so much time. You invest so much into that. You're watching RPI. To just get in and lose one game, it's like, why did we waste all that time thinking about this? It's, it's very unfulfilling. So, you know, just win that one game. Give everyone a day to celebrate it. You know, get excited about it. Start dreaming of the Sweet 16, and then people will start to be happy. But, no, just to get in it and be competitive is not enough, in my opinion. Should we take one more question here? One more question. Is, another one. Is there another question? What do we is got? Is there another question? Make some, Andrew, what do you got? Andrew Hobner. Uh, oh, we're legend of Andrew Hobner. I know what he's going to ask, but let's see if he really asks it. Andrew, what's your question? Andrew, what do you got? I think Matt ruined his okay. camera here. Are we uh, good? You figured it out. Did West Gordon, West Gordon get snubbed for being left off the all-defensive team in the Pac-12? I absolutely think so. To me, there's a, a maybe, you know, 40, maybe 60, somewhere between 40 and 60% of the time, West Gordon is the best defender on the buffs. Um, Josh Scott has been incredible. His one-on-one -on -one defense is truly, truly amazing. I mean, Tad Bull talks about it all the time. It's probably the most underrated one-on-one uh, -on -one defense in the country. But Wes Gordon's one-on-one -on -one defense is equally as good and more diverse. I mean, Wes Gordon's the type of guy who can take Roscoe Allen out of a game, who's a first-team All-Pac-12 player, um, while at the same time can take out a guy like um, – Ryan Anderson at, at Arizona, or, you know, he can switch out on a guard like he did at the end of that Arizona game and, and play defense on anyone. Um, you know, he's the one defending Gabe York when Gabe York defends the ball, or dribbles the ball off his foot out of bounds. Wes Gordon is 
almost as good as Andre Robertson was, in my opinion. Really? In terms of his diversity on defense. I mean, Andre, you could put on a point guard, and that's probably not what you want to do with West, but you're comfortable with West switching out on a point guard to at least make a play. And then you, you add in his help side defense, which yeah. is better so than Josh So impressive. So impressive. He is always there blocking shots. Um, so to me, Wes Gordon was absolutely an all-defensive all Pac-12 player this year. And I think next year when it's kind of his show down low, he's going to get all sorts of uh, accolades. So what would be the explanation then on why he got snubbed? Do you have one? Or is Tad it just Boyle's explanation today was just there's so many different big men in the Pac-12, and they're, they're all good. There's a lot of very good big men in the Pac-12. That's, that was Tad Boyle's explanation. Do you think it's a statistical it's thing? Because I think there's a lot of things in Wes Gordon's game that doesn't show up on a stat sheet. I, I, I think exactly. it's, it's, Wes, it's just Wes Gordon as an entity to me. It's like, oh, it's just Wes Gordon. You know, he did his thing, and it was good. No one I – and mean, I was guilty of this before the season. No one really gives Wes full credit for everything he does on the court. I mean – he really makes up for a ton of people's mistakes with the way he plays defense. But he never does anything crazy flashy. You know, he never has 10 blocks in a game. Or, you know, he doesn't have the highlight dunks where everyone thinks, wow, that guy's a really great athlete. He just does uh, his job. Right. He does his job, and he, he's, he gives a workmanlike effort on a night-in, night-out basis. And it just doesn't pop off the stat sheet to, you know, uh, Joe Johnson, who's writing for the Salt Lake Tribune, or, you know, some uh, coach for Stanford, who saw him once or twice. It's just, you know, Wes Gordon doesn't make sports center. But you think he's just a, an afterthought after Josh in the national media? Exactly. It's Josh they see Scott. Josh wow, and how he's dominant ama- he yeah, is. He's amazing, and it's almost like um, Wes is like Josh's, Josh's sideshow Bob. It's like, he, you know, he's just there. Um, I'm going to wrap up this segment for you, Joe, right, because we've gone way, way too long. Have and. We? On the other side of this break, we're going to have Pac-12's most improved player of the year. We got the first interview with him right after he found out that he won Pac-12's most improved player of the year. George King, Colorado wing, George King. Uh, that rhymes That's a so rhyme. well. You did it on purpose. Yes. You thought of that last night, didn't you? No, because my call is King from the wing. Good. I, I like that call. Anyways, on the other side, we got King. Uh, and stick around because we're going to have a little cameo from our buddy Andrew and our buddies uh, Matt as well and uh, some other special stuff. Our buddies Matt? Our buddies Matt. Our buddy Matt uh, on the other side of this second break. So thank you for tuning in. We're going to take a quick time out. We'll be back on the other side. Hi, this is Justin Gold from Justin's. If you've had my nut butter or my peanut butter cups, then you know that I take my products and my customers very seriously. So when I needed my roof replaced, I wanted somebody who feels the same way about their customers and their products that I do. Luckily for me, I found exactly that when I went to Chip Ezzo from Chip's Roofing, and he provided me with a service that I'll never forget. Not only did they build me a beautiful high-wind roof with the best products available, but the quality, price, and service was exceptional. I was in contact with Chip the entire time, and him and his crew couldn't have been more professional. Chip's Roofing has my business for life. Chip's Roofing, Colorado's high-wind roofing experts for 30 years. You can find us online at chipsroofingllc.com. That's chipsroofingllc.com. Or call us now at 720-938-ROOF. That's 720-938-ROOF. Once again, 720-938-ROOF. Hi. 
I'm Erica Chenard, and I've been helping Colorado homeowners buy and sell for 14 years. From the biggest names in Colorado to first-time buyers, I treat each and every one like an MVP. I've sold over 170 homes in the last 12 months, and I can help you sell your current one or buy your next one. Call me, Erica Chenard, at 720-663-1003 or online at denvercohomes.com. Of course you want to be in better shape, and of course you want to change the way you eat, but it's easier said than done. Hi, I'm Adam Kinney, and like you, I've tried a million different things to accomplish this before I found the solution. Now, I go to Ironclad Fitness off of Evans. The days of long, boring cardio sessions are over. My kettlebell training at Ironclad is fast, innovative, and it really works. At this rate, I'll never step on a treadmill again. Let Ironclad Fitness change your life like they're changing mine. Ironclad Fitness. Hey, Josh, what happened to Colorado Keg House? I was just there yesterday, Adam. It's the same great place with 72 Colorado craft beers on tap. Really? I heard they had up to 60 breweries in there. I figured they must have moved into a huge building or something. That means they have up to 60 different breweries on tap, dude. Do you think they actually crammed 60 breweries in there? Oh, so they still have 27 TVs? Yeah. And NFL Sunday ticket? Yep. Cool. Still awesome. Colorado Keg House, Colorado's home for craft beer by the First Bank Center in Broomfield. Back into the BSN Buffs podcast live from the Blake Street Tavern. Uh, but if you're not, you know, in the area of the Blake Street Tavern, maybe you're a little further down south, like by the Lincoln Light Rail Station, per se. Exactly. Hey, that's a spot. If you're down there, then you got to check out the Clock Tower Grill. Uh, it's a great place for a pregame. You know, you hit it up on your way. Uh, have a couple of drinks, get on the light rail, come downtown, hit up the Nuggets or the Avs game. Maybe you don't have time to get to Blake Street Tavern. Or maybe the Rockies game starting next month. Right, exactly. So get down to the Clock Tower Grill, $3 Long Islands on Mondays, 75-cent wings on Wednesdays, $3 shots on Fridays. There's really no place to start your event if you're down south. Like the Clock Tower Grill. Like the Clock Tower Dude, Grill. It's, it's the place. The spot. Exactly. So we're gonna t- uh, we're gonna slide uh, out of the Blake Street Tavern real quick and slide into the Coors Event Center where we had the distinct pleasure of interviewing the Pac-12's most improved player of 2016, George King, at practice today. Check we're here out. at the Coors Event Center with newly named Pac-12 most improved player George King. George, how you doing? I'm just fine. Still breathing. <laughs> uh, this award, to me, I think it's a, it's a really cool honor uh, for you after last season, taking the year off, taking a year to get better. It sort of justifies that. Is that kind of a feeling that you have with it? Yeah, I think so. And I think hopefully, you know, a kid, I was just telling um, the guy that was interviewing me um, that hopefully a kid somewhere, anywhere around the country playing Division One, Division Two, II, Division III, they're their coach is coming at them with the red shirt thing, and hopefully they, they'll see my story and see what I did, and they'll understand that hard work, you know, um, it pays off, and, you know, possibly they could, you know, they work hard. They have no choice but to better themselves the following year, so. Are your teammates going to try and tell you that just, this just meant that you were bad freshman year? Most likely, but, <laughs> I mean, that's fine, though. I mean, it's okay. I mean, this is... I mean, this is a nice award. I mean, it's something that, you know, it's, it's nice to have. I, I appreciate it. But, again, it's, it's just an individual award, you know. For, for, during that redshirt year, what 
what did you where did you grow the most what did you take most out of that well <laughs> uh i could always shoot but um i don't know i think just uh, the mental aspect of the game moving the ball um just a lot of confidence strength um i don't know um just showing that I can score the th- score the ball all three w- three levels, um, defend and rebound. So, I mean, I could always do that my freshman year, but I just doing it at a much higher level now, and the confidence helps with that. George, it wasn't only last year that you improved, but even from the start of this season to now, I mean, your rebounding's way better. So, are are you kind of obsessed with improving yourself and just keep bettering yourself and bettering your game? I mean, you, I mean, of course, because I mean, you out here. You know, practice and you're in the gym when no one's here and you work hard on your game and you got to work hard for something. You got to see something. And so when you see uh, improvement, that's what strives you to keep going and keep working uh, in the gym when no one's there um, and, and, and standing after practice or whatever like that. So when I see statistically the numbers jumping are jumping just a little bit, um, I know it's a credit to what I do, you know, behind closed doors. But not only for you, I know you're a big team guy, so it's not only for you that you get this award, but you help improve the team. You know, last year, bad year, and this year you guys are having a pretty solid year. Is is that almost as honorable in a way to you that you've helped the team get to this point? Yeah, and that was was a really big thing for me because last year we went 16 and 18. You know, we didn't make the the big dance. Um, um, And so... I was, I mean, obviously I was here at the games, watching the games, but when, I couldn't travel last year. But I did, you know, when I could watch the games on TV, I, I definitely did um, on Pac-12 Network or whatever the case was. And I would see, you know, some of the things that were absent on our team and things that we needed. Um, and so I said, okay, these are the things that we need. Um, and I'm going to try to incorporate that for the following year in my game. So I get on the court. And I work on it that, um, and so that's what I really try. I try to do, and I think I did a decent job of it. You mentioned something there that this is a little off topic, but you talked about not being able to travel when you're redshirting. Do you agree with that? Like a guy like Derek White, he's with you guys every day out here. He can't come to Vegas and be with the team. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's kind of messed up, because you know, to be honest, I mean, you guys are here at practice. You see what Derek White does, right? <laughs> Um, and I mean, he, he, he's a really great player. He works, you know, twice as hard as we do because he is a red shirt. He practices with us, but on game day, he's out there lifting and upstairs with Hardy lifting and he is on the court right afterwards. Um, and he cares about this team just as much as anybody else that, you know, wears the Colorado Jersey, but he doesn't get, get to obviously. But as far as just traveling, I I think that's a knickknacky tic-tacky thing. I think that rule might change later on but I mean I guess what they would say is academically you know you're staying back and you can just catch up um on work or something like that but I don't know who knows looking forward to this tournament how often do you you know look up in the Coors Event Center and see that trophy up there and you know think about uh the potential that you know you guys could, could go out there and get one of those of your own uh unfortunately I don't look at it too too often but now that you put that in perspective I mean that I mean, obviously, we, we want to go out there and win, win the whole thing, you know, or win four games in four days. But um, I don't know. I, I don't really look at that much. Um, 
Looks like they're having a good time. I wish I want to. I want to be a part of something like that. Absolutely, I'm not the only one. You know, coaching staff included, players, everyone. Um, everyone wants to get one. So, I mean, that's what we're going to play towards, um, and that's what we're going to try to do. Go out and win four games in four in four nights. So obviously, the preparation changes compared to you know. You just know you have Utah on Saturday. Now you know you have Washington State on Wednesday. You know if you win that game, you have Arizona on Thursday, and then you keep going. Does what? What kind of your preparation? How does that change to know that you're going to be right back on the court in 24 hours playing another team if you guys do win? Uh, well, you just gotta. Well, first off, you gotta take care of your body because it's it's a lot of basketball in just a short period of time, but. Um, mentally, you got to stay engaged, and I know it'll be, you know, hard for some guys, um, not particularly on our team, but in, um, some guys that you know, you out there in Vegas, and it's a lot of distractions out there in Vegas. And but, you know, what Coach Boyle just said in the in the film room, we're out there to win, to win a, um, to win games, and so. Um, that's what we're going to try go out there and do it without being distracted with all the extracurricular activities in Las Vegas. For you, uh, you already mentioned the big dance, and that's obviously the big goal, getting to the big dance. and Not only just getting there, but winning some games in the big dance. But yeah. So you got to put yourself in the best position. So are you thinking about consciously at all or have you at all this season about your seating or where you are on the bubble and, and all that nonsense? Not at all. We just we're, we just focus on the task that's in front of us. Uh, I mean, it's near, but it's it's not here. So I might that's dope. I might use that. It's near. It's near, but it ain't here. I might need to write that down. Anyway, yeah. So um, so we'll just focus on Washington State first. All right, that's George King, uh, the Pac-12's most improved player this season. George, we will see you out in Vegas if we're not busy getting distracted by the extracurricular activity. Extracurricular activity, absolutely. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks, George. If you don't have the uh, opportunity to get out to Vegas like all of us here, besides Joe, get to do, um, then the best place to watch the Pac-12 tournament is the Blake Street Tavern. Right here. This is right it. here. Right Look where we're sitting. You're right looking right at the Blake Street Tavern right now if you're watching the video If podcast. you're watching the video podcast, this is where you should be this week. Uh, the best part about this is during the Pac-12 tournament and moving into the NCAA tournament, there's games all day, which means you can get down here for, for happy hour. Three to six, Monday to Friday. We're talking $2 PBR and Rolling Rock. Don't drink Rolling Rock. Just get the PBRs. Uh, $3 Wells and Domestic Drafts. $4 Craft and Import Drafts. You got $4 Tillamore Dew. Um, you know, Stoli Flavors. Wine. Sailor Jerry's. Don't forget the wine. We got $4 Barefoot Wines. Yep. And $5 Select Appetizers. Um, you can get yourself as sauced up as if you were in Vegas with us sitting here at the Blake Street Tavern. If you have enough wine, you'll think you're in Las Vegas. Yeah. I mean, look at the lights. There's lights. There's games. All of the lights. Can, all of the games. You can lose all of your money playing Papa Shot the same way that you can lose all of your money playing That almost happened games. to us the other week. <laughs> As if it wasn't for Chris that one night, we would have dropped like $50 playing Papa, Papa Shot. Shot. Yeah. So get out to the Blake Street Tavern and lose your money. It's <laughs> a great plug. <laughs>
Why go to the Clock Tower Grill? Because of the burgers? Sure. How about the 15 big screen TVs and the 100-inch projection screen? Okay. How about the fact that it's conveniently located at the Lincoln Light Rail Station? Yep. We could do this all day. The bottom line is that the Clock Tower Grill has unique food and drink specials every single day and offers something for everyone all the time. Head down to the Lincoln Light Rail Station and let's have some fun at the Clock Tower Grill. Rain, sleet, or snow, 24 hours a day, residential or commercial, you name it, A-Team does it. A-Team Garage Doors will meet or beat any estimate and offer same-day repairs. A-Team Garage Doors has a five-star rating and is a home advisor elite service provider. Call A-Team Garage Doors at 720-556-8016. That's A-Team Garage Doors, 720-556-8016. Call 8016 for the A-Team. When is the last time you went to the Rock Restaurant and Bar on Smoky Hill Road? With 69-cent wings on Mondays, trivia on Tuesdays, and $2 domestics during happy hour and weekends, the Rock Restaurant and Bar is the only choice when I'm in South Aurora. They're open 9 a.m. to 2 a.m. every day, making them a great place for a big breakfast, tasty lunch, or a nice dinner. The Rock is off of Smoky Hill Road, just a few blocks west of E-470. Find them online at therockrest.com. That's therockrest.com. $3 beer specials, $4 shot specials, $5 appetizer specials, and two-for-one 10-inch pizzas. All of that happens every Sunday at Ernie's Bar and Pizza. Not only does Ernie's have the best deals, but they were just voted number one New York-style pizza in Denver by the Westward. Why go anywhere else? Make Ernie's Bar and Pizza your home for football on Sundays. Ernie's Bar and Pizza, 44th and Federal in Old North Denver, where the Pisons live. If you're tired of the same old sports bar experience, it's time to check out the Sunset Grill. They have the NFL Sunday Ticket, NHL Center Ice, NBA TV, and yes, even the Pac-12 Network. But they also have a gorgeous view from their spacious deck. They have dry ribs, wings, and mussels to go with their ice-cold beer. They have $4 Bud and Bud Light pitchers on Sundays, and their happy hour is from 11 a.m. to 7 p.m. every day. So next time you're looking for a place to watch the game, do it a little different and go to the Sunset Grill off Holly and County Line in Centennial. Sunset Grill. Ryan, I, I'm just. Can I get an advance on my salary this this week? I'm I'm out of money today because I don't have any money to spend. Bro, you know that I can't give you an advance on your salary. But what you can do is get out to Loot Mechanics. They are going to help you rob a bank. Yeah, they got everything to rob a bank, Shaft. They got big bags with money signs on them. They got costumes. They have guns. You'll be able to make <laughs> so much money robbing a bank with Loot Mechanics. Bro. Both of you, I think you're thinking of boot mechanics. Oh! Why do we always do this? They, because they don't rob banks, do no, they? No, dude, boot mechanics is that place where you can go and you're going to get with professional skier Jeremy Johnston, and he's going to take a mold of your foot and make that into a cast, which he makes into a footbed to make the most comfortable ski boots on the planet. I'm telling you, it's like skiing on the clouds. Which I still need because my feet are still so sore from like eight podcasts ago. <laughs> How's your tooth doing, and how's your vitamin deficiency, and how's your suit game? I went out to Fruit Mechanics, Root <laughs> Mechanics, and uh, <laughs> suit, mechanics. suit Mechanics, and I've gotten all those things fixed as well. Well, we better uh, go down to Boot Mechanics <laughs> to get our feet ready for ski season. Check them out, Boot Mechanics, here in Colorado. Bootmechanics.com in Golden. In Golden.
Colorado. And now we're going to talk about the Pac-12 tournament. So okay. It's all downhill from here from That's the podcast. A <laughs> That's always the best part. <laughs> the, the Buffs will take on Washington State. 3.30 Mountain Time on Wednesday. That is the day after tomorrow because today is Tuesday because that's when this is being posted so that is so tomorrow. that's tomorrow that's literally tomorrow yeah yes. tomorrow there's a Pac-12 championship tournament game for you to watch Buffs will take on uh, Washington State all right boys that's got to be a win right we need it you know you'd love to think that um I think <laughs> that <laughs> you'd love to think that you'd love to think that it should be a win but I think people are writing it in like too easily like here goes Shap again with the jinx tweeting at Adam Butler see you at you know, 3.30 for the game on Thursday, uh, the Arizona game. Um, obviously, you know, Tad Boyle is the best first-round Pac-12 tournament coach in the history of the Pac-12 tournament. He's never lost. And obviously, Washington State is 1-17 in, in conference this year. Um, and obviously, Colorado is more talented than Washington State at almost every single position. But... The Buffs just haven't stepped up to the task against Washington State in both of their meetings this year. Um, obviously, I still have no idea how they won in Boulder. It's something about George King throwing in some garbage to force overtime is the only he reason. He threw that as high as he could. I mean, it was – and the thing is, like, it looked like cash as soon as it left his hand, but that was some hot garbage. Well, our I own mean, Andrew Hobner got the shot from the baseline, and when you watch that come out of his hand, you're like, that's going to hit the roof. Yep. There's no way this is hitting backboard – net, rim, anything, and it's a perfect swish. Yeah, so um, they absolutely should have lost that game. And then, um, you know, if you want to turn to Josh Scott as a potential excuse for why they weren't in that game, obviously Josh was out that night. Um, well, then you look to when they played him in Pullman, they win by five. Uh, they never pulled away in that game. It was basically just a back and forth all the way through. So I don't like the way Colorado has played Washington State this year. Um, I think they get the job done. They absolutely should. But I, I think people are making it too much of an automatic when the Buffs haven't shown anything against Washington and State. And in both games, they've let uh, Cougar go absolutely off. They let Josh Hawkinson go off in one game, and they let Ike Rebu go off in one game. And, you know, that's something the Buffs have struggled with all year. It's when they let an opposing team's guard just get off, they lose, whether it be Lorenzo Bonham or Ike Rebu. They lose those games, and... The Buffs have been fortunate well, enough where they didn't lose the Washington State games. Well, I think Colorado all year has also had problems with, for better or for worse, playing up or down to their opponents. For Arizona, they played up to their opponents. You saw the next game against Arizona State, they played down. Uh, for UW, for Washington State, you've seen Colorado play to the level of their opponents. And although it makes their very entertaining basketball games, really close games late, as a Buffs fan, that is very concerning because depending on the night, you don't know if you're going to get a team that could take down a top 10 team in the country or lose to one of the worst teams in the country. And they could legitimately beat any team in the country, but they could also lose to Washington yeah? State this weekend. Yeah, no, they, I, uh, I agree with Tad Boyle on that. They legitimately beat Arizona. <coughs> yeah, but I, I really think they can – I really think that the – and it's, it's not necessarily about the strength of the Buff as it is the weakness – of the rest of the country. I really don't think there's any good teams in college basketball this year. Uh, so, like, even if you're comparing this year to last year, I don't even know if, you know, the best team in college basketball this year would make the Final Four last year. Who do you think, just for fun, who's the best team in college basketball? Kansas, I yeah, guess. Yeah, I was going to say Kansas. I don't even like them. I don't know. I don't. Michigan State, I'll probably have Michigan, like, I think when it comes bracket time, I never give out bracket picks early, but I think I'm going to have uh, – Michigan State going pretty deep. I, just because I trust their coaching, I, I trust Denzel Valentine. Um, Izzo's the guy. Speaking of which, we're going to do a BSN Buffs uh, 
bracketology little thing here. Start, so next week on the podcast, we'll go hard on that. But That's your job. That is my job. I, have to, I keep assigning myself That's jobs. That's called delegating what why. you just did. He comes up with these ideas, and then he's like, hey, dude, you should do that thing. And I'm like, what? I'm not doing that. Like, You should make the post for the BSN Buffs Blake Street party. I was like, Bob, that's on you. That's not on me. So if Colorado takes down Washington State, they'll have their inevitable rematch with the Wildcats. Of course, Colorado only got Wash or excuse me, Washington, Arizona uh, once this year at home. Worked out really well for scheduling. The rematch on a neutral court, does that favor the Buffs uh, at all or a little bit of revenge factor as Colorado could get destroyed there? Well, I think if you're a Buffs fan, you almost wish you didn't have to see him in the tournament so you could have bragging rights over Arizona fans for a whole year. Um, but, you know, I, th I think it's an okay matchup. Um, real quick, we're actually going to bring on our good buddy Andrew Hobbs. There he here. is. He wants to talk Arizona. He dressed well for the podcast. Yes. None of us did. I wore a Padres shirt. Joe wore a lacrosse. I wore shirt. lacrosse. What is that? Who are you wearing? Is that? It's just like a little baseball tee. I can't even see his sleeves. They just blend in. Yeah. It looks good, though. I like it. And it's invisible. Have you? There we go. There is, it that, is. is that right? Is that is, good? Does that I work think that's for you, good. Joe? Have you seen that? The <laughs> have you seen the bookstore? They sell these new, like, very camo uh, apparel stuff. Have you seen that? Yeah, people love that stuff. I've oh, seen yeah. the six eight six. I haven't seen any of it. You haven't. <laughs> <laughs> He's so funny. Follow him on Twitter at Chapalicious. He recently is divorced. He is My wife also has recently left got a haircut. Uh, all right, we're now joined by. Who are you with? Are you with the CUI? Who do I bill you as? Honestly, at this point, I don't really know. If we're, we're with Radio 1190. We're with Radio 1190's Andrew Hobner. We're with Andrew, Buff Media Five Tool Player. <laughs> Golden exactly. Buffalo Sports Media expert Andrew Hobner here with I'm you. Like, He's the guy on Twitter that probably upset you. Yes. This is, yes, this is what he looks he like. He might have called you slugger at he, some point in your life. <laughs> I will apologize he for that. He will. You know who you are. If you I see him in Vegas, if you see that. him in Vegas, buy him a drink. He's recently 21. Andrew, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you here. Uh, Andrew, we're, we're getting ready for the Pac-12 tournament. We'll real quickly recap. Uh, we'll just blow through this. Colorado beats Washington State, yeah? Yes. I, I believe uh, Colorado's going to beat Washington State in typical Colorado fashion. You're going to see Wazoo go on some random 8-0, run in the second half. Buffs Twitter is going to collectively lose their mind thinking, oh my god, how can we lose to a 12 seed in the first round of the tournament? And Colorado will eventually pull it out the same way that they do and then face off Arizona in the, in the round following that. So, oh, can we talk about Jake's tweet about the levels of Buffs Twitter anger? I can, like, we, can we I highlight this real quickly? Because when we were here, it was during the UCLA game. I, I think it was at the UCLA game here at the beautiful Blake Street Tavern, best bar in town. Jake was talking about the levels of Buff's anger. And I think he was his pinned tweet for a while, which if it's yeah. a Chapalicious pinned tweet, it is the cream. Uh, uh, I replaced it with I, one I, of my latest columns. Can you talk about the levels of Buff anger Twitter? Real quick, I just want to say I've never pinned a tweet because whatever my last tweet was is worthy of being a pinned tweet. You're, you're only as good as your Woo! last tweet. Yeah, Remember exactly. that. Fire. I you're Ryan Koenigsberg <laughs> School of Media Branding. You're only as good <laughs> as your last tweet. Exactly. Jake, what are the levels of Buff's Twitter anger? Because I think this is the best. This might be tweet of the year. Well, the whole thing came from uh, Goose and Ben, our buddy Ben Burroughs, always tweeting out. Hashtag Psy. Hashtag Psy. <laughs> and the other thing they always do is they're like, oh, this is not ideal, like not an ideal start. 
And then, you know, it, it goes really downhill quickly for Buffs Twitter that you guys know you're a part of. It's from not ideal to sigh to, oh, my God, fire everybody to fire everybody right now. And to like, crucify Tad Boyle on the hill. Right. And, like, when things are going good, it's like, whatever. Like, we still got another game. Like, you know, we're going to lose that one, too, I bet. But when things are really going well, it's like, we're, bu- we're the buffs. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's buffs to whatever to not ideal to sigh to fire everybody real quick. But where were we during the Utah game? We're like a DEFCON 50 there. It went from we're going to win the national championship to we're going to fire everybody in literally five minutes. That boy is not even going to get the team flight home. He's got to book his own flight. Well, this has already turned into a terrible segment. So, let's get to the good stuff. And the reason we brought on Hobner is because him and I had a little back and forth um, earlier in the week talking about this matchup with Arizona. Mm-hmm. Personally, I th- thought it would have been in the Buffs' best interest to avoid a matchup with Arizona because to me, and Tadwell echoed this sec- sentiment today, when you play Arizona in Vegas, it's not a neutral core game. It's a road game. So um, I wanted to bring Andrew on because he's been there, as have I, um, to see it in person. Andrew, you didn't think it was quite a big of a deal. Now, I don't think it's as big of a deal because of the intangible factor that you're describing, which is the amount of fans that are going to be there and essentially making it Mikhail West. I think that is an issue. It certainly is. But it doesn't compare to the issue of having somebody like Tyrone Wallace leading uh, Arizona the way that he leads Cal. You know, there isn't a massive, massive disconnect um, or advantage, if you will, between guards like Cal has over Colorado the way that Arizona might have uh, over over the Buffaloes. So I think that matchup-wise, it works a little bit better for Colorado. I think that the factor of fans is certainly going to be a really, really big issue because if the Arizona fans do show up on that Thursday, you're absolutely going to face a Mikhail West scenario. But as far as matchups go, I'd rather Arizona than Cal. And the other thing is, Arizona and CU is probably the closest thing to a basketball rivalry that Colorado has in the Pac-12. And I think that you can kind of throw, for, for some rivalry games, you can kind of throw stats and matchups a little bit out the window. You have that intangible factor that's there. And I think that Colorado would be better suited to playing a team that they've had some history with, like Arizona, where you have that opportunity to kind of throw that stuff out the window as opposed to Cal, where it's really going to be stat and matchup based and you're going to have Tyrone Wallace leading the Golden Bears, and they have really been fantastic since Wallace has come back from that. What do you chalk up the win against Arizona to? Do you put it up to as Colorado just got up at the Coors Event Center, or are there matchups between the Wildcats and the Buffs that you say, this is a good matchup for Colorado, these two teams match up well for the Buffs, and they could do it again? Really quick before yeah, you no, – uh, yeah. I love you, but I just wanted to, resp- <laughs> I just wanted to respond. No, no, I wanted to respond. Oh, oh, I, wanted to, I wanted to respond to what he was saying here. <laughs> um, I see what you're saying Mm -hmm. from the perspective of the matchup, but here's the way I look at it. Colorado played both of these teams at home and played them very close. Um, Essentially, both games came down to a uh, last-second shot. It was a a closely contested game. So I think on the home court, um, the matchup was pretty even, which is the only thing we have to compare. So I think when you tr- when you translate that to a neutral court, it's going to be pretty much the same thing. And then you add in the fans from Arizona, and I think that's what puts it over the edge the other way for me. Because at some point, the buffs are going to give up a run. Yeah. And that place, I swear, that place gets louder than the Coors Event Center does with buff fans 
with Arizona fans. It's it truly is a sea of red. Um, I think the 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 casual fans that come there are just like, oh, Arizona, that's the team, and they mm-hmm. even cheer for Arizona. Yeah. So to me, I just don't like. I I just have this like vision in my head of like. Gabe York hitting three three pointers in a row, <laughs> and like all of a sudden, the, like the place is just. Dream you had. <laughs> no, these are these visions that I have. Uh, it's, like that, it's like that. It's like that's so Raven. Ryan yeah, Coding. exactly. I think Cisneros uh, was calling me the Oracle for a little while. <laughs> yeah, so I was on a little heater there at one point. Um, it's a gutsy name. But I, I, I just, I, yeah, I just have that vision of it just going off, and like all of a sudden, the Buffs put their tail between their legs. But to Ryan's point, the Buffs were 0-6 against Arizona going into their last game. And that game, you know, two Wednesdays ago or whatever it was now, the Buffs pretty much played a perfect game. And besides the last three minutes and 30 seconds where they really didn't close out and they haven't closed out many games this year, the Buffs were very good in that game. And they were lucky as all hell that Arizona couldn't score in the last three minutes and 30 seconds. Well, if that's the case, then I think the question actually expands from can Colorado beat Arizona and Las Vegas to can Colorado beat any of those top four seeds in Arizona? Because I think if the, if the issue, and Ryan, you talked about in your column, is finishing late and that ability to close out games really is as big of a problem as a lot of us in the media think that it is, then you start to wonder, okay, does it even matter who they're going up against in Vegas if it's a top four of Oregon, Utah, um, California or Arizona, do they even have the ability to stop those late runs? Do they even have the ability to take a lead, hold it, and close it and get deep into this tournament past Thursday? I, I th- becomes a bigger question. I think that's a, a valid question to bring up. Um, I think if you were to rank the matchups, it, it, they'd all be really close. Um, I don't <clears throat> necessarily think any of those teams scare me any more than any other one. Um, <clears throat> I know that Oregon probably played the most consistent basketball mm-hmm. this year, but something about them just isn't that intimidating to me. Like, obviously, they play really good basketball and they make shots, but it seems like you you have a good chance of maybe catching them on an off night. Um, I feel the same way about Cal. I think, you know, you have a chance to get them on a night where, you know, Jalen Brown um, isn't exactly cooking and he, maybe he's missing at the rim a little bit or Tyrone Wallace isn't hitting from outside. If Tyrone Wallace is hitting from outside in any game, you're pretty much done. Um, but maybe he isn't. So I think you just boil it down. You have a chance. You're going to need a little bit of help beating any of those teams. But I want to talk a little more about the, these late-game letdowns and um, and see if maybe you guys have some theories on how to stop it. Because on the way down here, Shap and I were talking, and I thought to myself, um, maybe the answer here is not trying to get the ball to Josh Scott, but letting your guy who just won Pac-12 Most Improved Player of the Year in George King – go ISO, like the, the same way you used to let Spencer Dinwiddie and mm-hmm. Alec Burks and Corey Higgins um, and even a little bit of Skew Booker, and it sometimes worked and a lot of times it didn't, but <laughs> do, you, do you give him a chance um, to take the ball up top and maybe run a little bit of ISO? Is that something that can help? Because obviously the preferable uh, thing is don't take the air out of the ball and just run your offense, but I, Tad Boyle seems pretty set on doing that. See, the one thing that actually it kind of lens to what you just said, and you and I talked about it before the podcast started, was the one comparison that I could find with how Tad Boyle and how Colorado runs their offense late in the game is how 
Brian Lindgren slash Mike McIntyre in Colorado football ran their offense when they were either tied or had a lead late in the game, and it was you're essentially playing not to lose. You just want to hold on. You trust in your defense to make a stop, and you're not actively trying to go out and score more. And so I think that it's not necessarily a analytic-based approach. It's not necessarily a strategy-based approach. It, to me, is, and, and maybe I'm just an ignorant basketball you know, commentator, but I think it really is as simple as go attack the rim, do not try to, you know, play games. Don't try to run out the clock. Don't, don't try to do anything different than what you were doing when you were trying to build that lead up. You know, it's, it, it to me is as simple as don't actively play not to lose, play to win the game. And that's, and that's right. what, at least in the, in the losses that I've seen where Colorado has dropped those big leads, it seems like the minute they build up that 8 to 10 point lead, all of a sudden you start to see Colorado get extraordinarily complacent and Dom Collier in particular at that guard spot get very, very complacent and all of a sudden teams go on runs and now you find yourself scrambling again. But it almost makes sense in a way that Tad Boyle would take the air out of the ball at the end of the game because his defense has been so good in the past, so reliable, so almost unstoppable. Their defense is very hard to beat in the last few years. This, is, this year has been an anomaly in the sense that... And last year. Yes. Uh, <laughs> let's just gloss over that year like Didn't we've happen. been doing. But this year has been an anomaly in the sense that their offense is a lot more reliable than their defense has been. And yes, at times their defense has been great. Like for long stretches of that Utah game, long stretches of that USC game, long Arizona. stretches against the Arizona game and the Cal game at home. But there always seems to be a four to eight minute stretch where this team just falls apart defensively but if they're not taking the ball out of uh, the, the air out of the ball offensively, it doesn't happen where they just don't score offensively. Mm-hmm. But all of a sudden, when they take their their offense out, so to speak, they take uh, the ball out of their offense, they lose that. So you know, it kind of makes sense from a Tad Boyle perspective to just keep doing what's worked for him the last five years. But in the same sense, it's not working for him this year. And you wonder, like Ryan wrote in his con, uh, not. Wow. Oh, column. Column. Whoa. Something on your mind, guy? I mean, I know you're going to Vegas. Okay. In his column. Let's just move past this really you. quick. Thank you. In his column, um, he wrote. <laughs> what did I write again? <laughs> he wrote, we maybe, like maybe, the la- focus here. <laughs> maybe, maybe the last few games will change what ha- the philosophy has been for Tad Boyle the last few years. Wait, and t- uh, you're talking about uh, you know, guys that are not Josh Scott or George King, and you look towards the bench. And I think of Trajan Fletcher. Who is somebody that could step up late in the game and help close out if Josh Scott's being sealed off, if George King's not having a great performance? Josh Fortune, they tried to do it during uh, the, which game was that? Washington or Washington State game? Washington State game, at the end, he took the final shot in regulation and he didn't hit it. I mean, he's a a guy that can go isolation and get his own shot. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where they just don't have a guy um, who's strong enough with his handle who can also do it, you know. Um, Dom Collier is a good enough dribbler to run a point, but he's not exactly the guy you trust to kind of cross someone up, hit a fadeaway jumper. Um, George King is the closest thing to me that they have in, in a guy that you can just run ISO with, but even his handle isn't exactly tight. You've seen him turn the ball over when he tries to get too cute with it. So I think, I mean, and Andrew, Andrew touched on it, I think the best way to go about it is to simply just keep running your offense the way you've done it. But it's psychological. I don't, I don't know if it's ex- if it's all Tad Boyle or if it's just the way the team wants to play when you have a big lead. 
uh, it seems to really hurt them. Yeah, and if you look at the the particular player that isn't George and isn't J40 that you can go to, I mean, the next person is, as Shab said, Josh Fortune. I mean, he's he's the next guy. And actually, the one thing, uh, you know, really quickly that we, you and I, Ryan, talked about was I came up to you in press row when they went into overtime initially against Washington State, and I said, why are you giving Josh Fortune the ball in that situation? And you very quickly said because he's the guy who can create his own shot in that situation, and you're absolutely right. And Josh Fortune is really the third guy who can do that on this team that isn't named Josh Gott and George King. You have to look to him if the game comes down late and those two guys aren't available or are covered. Well, Andrew, thank you for joining us. I know that of you'll course. be down in Las Vegas, so <laughs> if you're down in Vegas, buy this man a drink because he earned it. Andrew Hovner. Or, or he needs it. Or he needs it. <laughs> or, or I owe some sluggers drinks. Or he owes all <laughs> the sluggers yeah. I definitely do. I definitely do. <laughs> Andrew Hovner, famous from Twitter. He probably upset you. That is his bio. Uh, he, he's the man. Thank you for joining us, Andrew. <laughs> Thanks, guys. It's Appreciate always it. a pleasure to have you. And we're going to switch with him right now. We're going to yes. get our own PSN Denver's Matt Cisneros on the pod. Ba-bang. Here comes Sis. All right. Put the camera down, guy. Get over here. All right. He's here never he put a camera down in his life. This is the Doesn't guy. This is the guy who makes the most trendy gifts, pictures of buff sports of all time. This is his face, and it's it's, it's gorgeous. This is what he looks like. <laughs> He's got a fresh cut today too. He's the only like. So Andrew's good. the only one who wore a button-down shirt. Matt's the only one who got himself cleaned up for this. He got a haircut. I got a haircut. Ah. Oh yeah, I just forget because Ryan I'm, always looks good. It's not. It's, it's not. It's not enough for me. I just need more. What did you? If you were, if <laughs> I you need were more charge, hairs cut. If you were Shap's designer, what would you go with? So I'm. I'm just taking everything off the sides. Like, just All nothing. I, I, like I'm down with this kind of curly long stuff that's going on up here. But I want Go all Justin Timberlake. Yeah, I want I want just like I mean, it doesn't have to be exactly like mine. It just has to be a little tighter on the sides and let it flow on the top. That's really the the curly hair on the top is trendy right now. Yeah, he's he's probably he's voted most likely to be lead singer of your least favorite indie band. The indie band you've never heard of on your Walkman playing right now. All right, Matt Cisneros is here. Uh, Matt, welcome to the pod. First of all. Let's talk about how you learned how to make all these famous gifts very recently. This is something you picked up and just became very good at, like, the beginning of this year. It, it was over the summer. It was literally over the summer. Downloaded Photoshop, and I, I don't know. I just got bored one day, and, like, no one was making buffs graphics. I'm like, I could probably figure out how to do this, so I just started making them. And he's running <laughs> clinics Thursday night. I've walked into the armory, the edit lab, and he's got, like, people surrounding him, like his little cult posse. And he's like, all right, here's how you do this, because next year when I graduate. Someone needs to – I mean, I'm a, honestly, I'm not going to lie. Next year, football season, basketball season rolls around. I'm still going to be doing this. Yeah, another good. one. Another but one. Another what, one. What, what kind of numbers are you getting on these recently? They're not, they're not good. <laughs> it's not about the numbers. It's about the quality. No, we started doing this thing where, like, we say our, our retweets and favorites as, like, a player stat line. Like, you know, sometimes we're I'm like, ah, oh, dude, I had 10 and 28 on yeah, that. Sometimes I'll hit, I'll hit 10 and 28. Sometimes I'll hit, like, 30 Zero and, and 30 one. And 30 and 50. Sometimes I'll hit 0 oh and 2. What's your wow. most famous gif of all time? My most famous? Oh, jeez. I thought you were going to say Dude's most go, famous. He wants to talk about his <laughs> most tiger. famous tweet. I had, a tie, I had a tweet that one time. I, I it hit hip hop Twitter. It got thousands. Yeah, and thousands. You, like five thousand that? retweets. So That's more it's, important it's than six, anything. Six thousand retweets. It has a hundred thousand impressions. It's it's tight. But what what is it? What uh, was it? So you know how Tyga. Can you share it? No, no uh, one knows. No, what is Tyga? You just make it like very layman's termsy. 
uh, a rapper a, a rapper was uh, hitting on was hooking up with a 15 year old wow okay and i looked up what this girl looks like she does not look 15 she looks 19 20 21 years old i tweeted how is this guy supposed to know this guys this girl is 15 <laughs> it is picked up went viral this thing was literally all over the internet it's i absurd. don't go on the internet Anyways, Buzz, <laughs> Anyways, Buzz Twitter's one. Hello, Matt. Uh, how are you? Good to see you. Buzz Twitter one. The Tad Boyle one fired up that one. The that Super was the best Save, one? Super, I think so. That was oh, because it was after the Arizona win, I so you caught everyone right. while they were on I a high. I think that one went like 30 how, how come, and 60. How come this hasn't happened yet? We call him Tad Boyle, but like when he's mad, we don't call him Mad Boyle or like Sad Boyle. I, oh. I kind of think that would be hilarious. Crab Boyle. <laughs> Crabby Boy. <laughs> Can we talk about your process? Because I don't think there's enough appreciation. And then this is just a shameless plug into the life of Matt Cisneros. You're sitting there at Coors Event Center. You're doing your job. Yes. And with the other hand, you're doing all the gifts. Can we talk about the, the artist's process? Oh, well, okay. So, I mean, the week before the game, I'm just coming up with ideas, asking people. I'm asking Twitter, what's, uh, what can I make with this picture? Or I'll think of something like, oh, I got an idea. Rain when we came up with the sandwich one. So, yeah. <laughs> There's so, there, the, the King's jesters I, we haven't released yet. There's the, the one where I'm like, what is, uh, what is Trayshawn Fletcher look like he's doing? Someone's like eating a sandwich, buffs are eating. Bam, there's a gift right there. <laughs> That's then, my favorite one I'm, by I, far. I have to. <laughs> have you seen that one? Yeah. <laughs> the sandwiches that go on the background? So, oh I have to, so the, sometimes it, it, it's been great. The, the, the only good thing about the, how poor the attendance this year has been is that the Wi-Fi has been clear most of the time from court. That I can get on. You Twitter. were complaining about the Zona game. Yes. You came up to me there like, I, I hate that there's people here. Like, I can't get on the internet. Like, so, this, this UCB public is garbage. So I'm shooting the game and from the floor, trying to tweet out gifts that are relevant at the time. Trey <laughs> yeah. hits a, Trey, Fletcher hits a three. I got my Trey gift ready to go. It comes but, out like 17 minutes later. <laughs> Two minutes later. There were some. Trey. Those last couple games were packed. I was like, I can't get any of these gifts off. I'm just doing halftime. And I was trying to do it at halftime. Still too many people. I'm just going to do it. End the game. Do recap you panic? What do you do? Well, it's not sending. I'm like, do eventually it'll send. So then I'm like, everybody panic. I was like, screw it. Delete. Can everyone please so put their plans on airplane We should airplane get a Wi-Fi down. I, we need I to get you a jetpack. I, I tweeted, everyone get off the internet right now. Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> please I, stop. I'm trying to tweet some gifts. I think it was Dungeon Cores Event Center. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please turn off your phone? Matt's trying to do his job. Thanks. <laughs> Could you imagine? Could you imagine doing that? says that. I legitimately tweeted that one time. I was like, "Yo, if you're on PB Net right now, I fucking hate you." <laughs> Get the fuck off! <laughs> I don't think we can swear on this. Podcast. Now Andrew has to edit that. Post. Hey, hey, you know what? You know what? You're the you're the editor of the podcast. <laughs> the podcast. Oh man, we've Jake, gone you've had two slips tonight. This is why. This is why we don't go this over. This is why an hour. this isn't a live show. All right. Well, well we're gonna have Matt talk well, about something talk else about. besides this. We're gonna have Matt talk oh, about. Oh, Vegas yeah. stories, no, right? What? Gonna, first of all, yeah. Let me, let's hear a Vegas story uh, from last year's Pac-12 okay. tournament. Vegas story. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Vegas story. Not that one. <laughs> all right. I'll give you a game Vegas story. See uh, you, Oregon State. Gary Payton, senior, is sitting to my right on court on one of those seats. Just the entire game yelling at his son the and refs Ruthless. and just looking extremely disappointed in his son because they <laughs> lost. I have many photos of di disappointed Gary Payton, Gary Payton the first. That sounds like a, like a monumental gift. <laughs> disappointed Gary Payton. Because yes. he's yelling and then he's just face palming and it's 
It's great. That but is good. That's Sad glove. It wasn't the one. Uh, that wasn't the story we were uh, advertised. We were hoping a better. We story. were hoping for the one you were. Can you give us the story we really want? Where it doesn't matter. He's already said the F is this, word. Is He's this already. A are we talking Hakkasan? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. All right. So uh, we go out. Uh, yes. The crew goes out. We were uh, leaving the game, MGM to go get dressed for the club. Run the club. Some CU cheerleaders. They say, "Do you want to come out with us?" Well, of course we want to go out. You guys. Uh, so we go out with the CU cheerleaders. Matt's like, "I've been taking pictures of you guys all year." <laughs> Do you want pictures? I have pictures. <laughs> I have pictures of all. Oh my of god! You. I have the best picture of you. I got some good stuff. <laughs> come here. here. Look <laughs> at this. He's got his camera at all times. Like, look, look. Ah, Check. there look you go. Look. Look. Ah. Let me so pull up my viewfinder, girl. It's a good. That's a good pickup line. Hey, look at this picture I have. Well, okay, I got. I got. We're gonna. We're gonna segue right. We're gonna tangent right here. I've been approached by athletes that have been at parties. <laughs> Great story at, too. At parties. I'm not gonna name names, but uh. You should. Hey, I uh, I heard you have photos of me. Um, they're not. The only time I've ever seen this person is in full athletic gear, kind of sweaty ponytail. I'm like. Uh, he has no idea who this is. Ah. Uh, uh, <laughs> I really have no idea. Just, I was like, dude, what? And they go, yeah, you have photos of me from playing blank sport. And I'm like, I, I still, still, I'm like, yo, I need, I need a name. They name their name. I was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I got, I do have photos I've of you. got a whole file on my from, desktop. Come here. Come from, here. It's on my from, Blackberry. Have, Hang on. Let me put in the password. Password <laughs> protected. <laughs> Got a 16-digit passcode. Come here. Yes, I have Apple's game. not getting into this. Game photos of you. Of course, that's what you meant. So then I emailed. Anyways. <laughs> Cheerleaders, run to them. We go to Hakkasan. Uh, we are partying with them. We are buying drinks. We're having fun. Uh, they get invited by some guys to go to a private table with bottle service. We start walking up. They just tilt. Who are you guys? What? Straight up. That's curve. savage. Curve. Savage. Just massive curve. <laughs> Have you considered going for the TMZ scholarship? I think TMZ gives out a scholarship, don't Is they? Is it a TMZ scholarship? No, I, I made that up. Okay. okay. The last thing we want from Matt, um, he's actually working on something really cool. I told him when, when we hired him on to do photos that we wanted him to write some stuff for us, too, um, and, and help. You know, We always want to make well-rounded journalists here at BSN Buffs. Mm -hmm. And so Just look at me. <coughs> You're a real Paul Doherty. You right. really oh. you care about this. It's the students first. Oh, see you student media jokes. One person gets it. <laughs> Andrew's laughing so hard Andrew's right now. Andrew's dying behind the... Um, anyways. <laughs> Paul Doherty. Matt Jack. has been working on an, uh, an article, which he actually broke earlier in this podcast. is going to be called Through the Lens. Yeah. Uh, Matt, why don't you tell us just a little bit about what you're working on? Because he's been working on it. For a couple of weeks now. Yeah. Uh, so through my four years, I'm telling my, I guess it's a memoir, of um, my stories of memorable, it's just basketball games, just memorable CU basketball games. That I have you just want to remember the mind. football games. They're too hard to remember. I mean, I could, but it's just not as fun. They hurt. Um, there's, I, there are good stories. There are bad stories. There are stories from when I'm a fan. There are stories from when I'm working. There's... Uh, there are cool gifts in there. There are photos from all these games. Little um, animation. Little animation stuff. I, I messed around. I got. I learned some more stuff on Photoshop. It's gonna be. It's gonna be a cool. Cool article. I think. Awesome. Well, I know. I'm really excited for it. Uh, I think it's gotten pretty long now, but I think you know people. Uh, people love that stuff. You know, I obviously wrote one memoir ever, and um, honestly, it was maybe one of my most successful things I've ever written. What'd you write about? 
this football. It was from when I went to my hundredth consecutive game at Folsom oh, Field. Oh, okay, I do remember. Even that. if even if like five people read it, I'm gonna feel proud about it. It's pretty. Sick. What's that like? I mean, as a, a photographer, yeah, like it's you you're used to just taking pictures, but like actually having to write. Like, what's the process like? Uh, was well, totally <laughs> the only time I've I feel ever. Like, I feel like Joe is just so interested in what Matt as a process? person. I think Matt's the greatest person on Buff's Twitter. <laughs> I, like, hey, I've been saying I've been trying to make Matt Buff's Twitter famous all season. Honestly, okay, when I said like, oh, let's get eight more followers to get me to 500, I was very impressed by Buff's Twitter that they got me like 540. It was. In like five Whoa. Whoa. I was, I, I think that's big news for me. It's that's huge. Right. It's more than I have. Hey, maybe I'll put that word in to get 50 more for Vegas. I yeah. need 1,000. Okay, if Matt Cisneros doesn't get 1,000 followers <laughs> by Vegas, he's not tweeting out anything not, ever No again. gifts. No gifts no for gifts you. No gifts for you. No gifts for you. Okay, oh, this has gone way, way too far off the If rails, anyone's so. tuned in this late, they deserve. <laughs> well, well, that's what I was going to say. Is I Fans are going to love this podcast. <laughs> by love I promised Nina that I would get a plug-in for our um, – Buff's Twitter meetup that we're planning on doing in Vegas. The problem is literally zero people are still listening to this, so... You have to advertise the hell out of it. Your family, Jake's Bubby. She's not going to be in Vegas. She's going to be no, here while I'm there. She's no. listening we're talking to the about pod. The people that are still oh. listening to this pod, so Nina's not even going to hear this this plug because she she will have stopped listening she to this. She tuned out minute five. We're tentatively planning um, eight between 8 and 8.30 on Thursday night, so after whatever happens against Arizona, unless, of course, they lose to Washington State, then you have the whole day. Just go home afterwards. Um, we're hoping to do a Buffs Twitter meetup, and right now, I'm, because we haven't come up with a better place, we're thinking of doing it at Batista's Hole in the Wall, which is this really cool little uh, Italian restaurant, not too expensive, affordable for Shap, so it's affordable for everyone. Um, <laughs> is that a, is that a I have money. Is that a racial You're the one that pays me. That comes back to you. That makes you look bad. It, I I'm will admit that I don't pay you enough. Uh, He's paid? Yeah. Not enough. <laughs> Shap I, I'm just. I, I was saying, like, the, the, the college student. I'm thinking, like, the college student, you yeah. know, you know what I'm saying. I went. I was eating white rice for dinner for <laughs> Fine. two weeks. Well, you you're gonna, he sold his hair. Since you're going to get all sensitive <laughs> about it. He sold his hair to China. Cisneros can afford it, Yeah. which means anyone which can means afford it. I'm not even getting paid, so uh, yeah, exactly. Batista's <laughs> Hole in the Wall, not so a sponsor of BSN Podcast. <laughs> they have BSN Sports. BSN Fear Sports. The strength. BSN Sports. Feel the strength. Feel the strength. <laughs> Well, can we talk about that? No, no, we're, we're not. We're getting okay, off all of right, this. Fine. PSN Sports Feel the strength power. <laughs> Hashtag power. All right, Wrap so this, this is the BSN Denver Colorado Buffaloes podcast. I am Jake Shapiro alongside Ryan Koningsberg, Joe Paris, Matt Cisneros. You can follow me on Twitter at Chapalicious, him on Twitter at Ryan Koningsberg, him on Twitter at Joe Paris with two R's, him on Twitter at Matt Cisneros. I think there's an underscore. underscore. Yep. Good luck spelling that. And Andrew Hobner, who was our on earlier. You can follow him at A underscore G underscore Hobner. Thanks for listening. Thanks to the Blake Street Tavern for having us. Thanks to the fans who came out, none of which are still left. Uh, so we know no one's going to be still listening. There Even there's right. hundreds of people behind the Even camera. Ryan's mom came and left. That's that's how that went. Um, Ryan's entire family is third cousins, first cousins, first removed. His dog was here. Jake the dog. Jake the dog was not here. I was the only Jake here. Stop talking. Thank you for listening to BSN Buffs Podcast. Follow us on BSN Buffs uh, or on Twitter at BSN Buffs. Follow us on Facebook. Please follow us on Facebook. We need those Stop likes. Uh, we'll see you next time. Uh, next. Monday uh, if we decide to do a podcast after Vegas. Thanks for listening. Thanks to everyone that came out. We'll see you next time. So